You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. We're authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin, and we're here to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Tune in each week to real life conversations with the experts about real issues Christian parents face today. If you're ready to learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hey there, friends. You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where each week we're talking about the real issues Christian parents face today and helping you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Before we get started with today's episode, Brooke and I want to invite you to take advantage of a free prayer resource from Million Praying Moms called Seven Essential Prayers for Every Mom. We spend most of our time helping you learn how to pray for your children, but inside of this challenge, we're teaching you to pray for you. (laughs) It's important. You'll get seven emails sent straight to your email inbox with prayers like a prayer for when you're losing it all over everyone a prayer for calm in the chaos, a prayer to breathe new life into your day, and so much more. Sign up right away to get the seven essential prayers for every mom series by visiting our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Our guests for today are Suzanne Goslin and Greta Kennedy, authors of Grit and Grace, Devotions for Warrior Moms. Suzanne is a freelance writer and editor who has written for Focus on the Family, Zondervan, Harvest House, David C. Cook. Man, those are some quality people that she's gotten the opportunity to write for. And now, Million Praying Moms, as one of our regular contributors to our Pray the Word journal. We have so enjoyed getting to know her. She enjoys coffee and will clearly fit right in in this crowd. Good conversation and spending time with her husband, Kevin, and her four children, uh, Josiah, Sadie, Amelia, which is a name that we thought of if we had had girls, but you know, clearly God didn't give us that, and Jackson. (laughs) And Greta Kennedy is a speaker, mentor, and writer with a degree in women's ministry from Multnomah University and over 20 years of ministry experience. She passionately supports her husband, Jay, and his full-time camp ministry. That sounds super fun to me. Um, They are raising their three children on Vancouver Island and report their adventures on the travel blog, Traveling Islanders. Oh my gosh, I am so envious of travel bloggers. I love, love, love traveling and and telling the stories of what we do, but I'm not... um, disciplined enough to keep up a blog about it. So I just follow other people's and enjoy that. So (laughs) ladies, welcome to the show. Tell us about yourselves and your families. Suzanne, let's talk to you first. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I I have four children. Um, They are nine, seven, five, and three. And so I'm very busy. Um, Kevin and I have been married a little over 10 years. So we had all of those kids in a pretty short time span. And before that, I was working at Focus on the Family full time for 10 years as an editor. So it was quite a shift going from being in the workplace for 10 years to coming home, even though being a mom was what I had always wanted. Um, It was a a really big lifestyle change. And my husband is a pastor here in California. He's a family pastor at our church. And, um, and then I write uh, from home. So 
I see that um, for our podcast listeners, we can see each other right now, but I can see the Action Bible devotional in the background. And I feel like, oh my gosh, we are like instant friends because Aww. all of my boys have loved the Action Bible and and just devoured it when, when it came time for them to start reading it. So I can totally relate to seeing that in the background for you. Greta, how about you? Tell us more about yourself. Um, hi, yeah, thanks for having us so much. Um, I, my husband and I, we met, oh, like 20 years ago. We've been married for 16 and a half years now. Um, and we met doing adventure-based ministry. Um, so being outside and in God's creation is our favorite thing. Um, and we've, we've served alongside each other in full-time ministry ever since. Uh, we have three children, 14, 12, and 11, a girl and two boys. And uh, they, so we're in the throes of preteen and teenage life and all that that brings and throws little loops in for us. Um, but we live here on Vancouver Island in Canada, on the far west coast of Canada in just some beautiful countries. So uh, we do love getting out and going for hikes and getting out on the water and just being in God's creation is some of our favorite things to do. That's awesome. I love that we have a, a wide span of children today. Uh, we have itty bitties and we have all the way up to, I think mine might be the oldest till be 15 um, very soon, very quickly, which just absolutely blows my mind. But this should be, I th you know, when we have that kind of diversity on the show, we get great answers for moms of all ages and stages. So we're happy about that. So let's dive in and kick things off by talking about the difference between the way we imagined motherhood would be before we had kids and the way it really is. You guys say that there's a big difference here for both of you. And I think I'm speaking for Aaron and I when I say, absolutely, we both had yeah. that experience. Yeah, too. I, am, I almost started laughing because I was like, oh my gosh, it's <laughs> like, it's like, uh, it's like being um, in a like elementary school production of something that kids just threw together versus like Broadway. Like I thought it would be like Broadway and it's like just kind of like thrown together. Like, like, totally. like, Oh, let's add this in now. Oh, random. You know how kids make things up? Yeah. That's how motherhood feels for me instead of yes. very polished looking. No, so I started no, laughing when you said that. There's no polish in our house. So what <laughs> did that look like for you guys? You, you guys talk about that a little bit. Cause I think everybody can relate to that. Um, I think for me, uh, I, I mean, I babysat a lot as a kid and so kids were not a foreign concept to me. Um, but what became really the foreign concept is as a mother, I was supposed to be the expert. And it wasn't just me playing with them and then tossing them back at the parents and reporting on their behavior and how it went. It was now I was supposed to know what to do with all of that information. And that became really overwhelming to me. Um, I didn't realize that, that that's what came with the territory until I was in it. And Erin, I love that analogy of uh, now being in a kid's musical instead of Broadway, because it is, it's, you're just, okay, what worked today? Let's try that again tomorrow, you know? And um, so that's kind of the funny side of it. But then, you know, there's, there's the wonderfulness of it too, that I, I didn't even know how wonderful and how much in love I could be with another person. Um, I, didn't, I didn't understand that capacity of the human heart. Um, so that was pretty incredible. And then 
to start understanding God's heart for his children as I had a heart for my children and how that was different than my heart for any other person. Um, so I think that, I mean, the learning curve is very, very steep, but, but beautiful and messy and yeah, not what, not what I expected. So, so let's do this guys. Before we go any further, let each of us share one thing, if you can remember, one thing that you said about parenting before you had kids versus what it actually looked like afterwards. So I will, I'll start us off. Um, I, and, and some of our listeners know this because I've talked about it frequently, but I actually prayed that God would give me boys. I wanted the opportunity to raise boys who were different than some of the the men that I had had the opportunity to see, um, you know, throughout my life, I felt like there was a shortage of godly men. And I really was like, I told God, I am up for the challenge. I can do this, Lord. I know what a godly man is and I'm going to raise them. And I, I just always laugh about that because there's, there's other prayers, cool prayers that I've prayed that God hasn't answered, but he totally answered that one. And then, <laughs> to that prayer to knock me right off my rocker and take out every ounce of pride that I had. So I could say others, but that's my funniest one, I think. Yeah, for me, I was going to say mine was, so I had a similar experience to you, Greta. Like I babysat from like fifth grade on and my whole life was like, I ended up being a teacher in college. I worked at a daycare, like, you know what I mean? Like everything I did was with kids and I had very strong opinions about what was going to happen. Like, and I um, taught for three years before we had our first son. And I said, I will never homeschool and I will never send my child to private school. And we were set on that and we've done everything. We've done all of it. <laughs> like, it was like, as soon as I said never to somebody about something, God was like, are you sure? Uh, like, are you sure never? Because I'm going to put something in your life that makes that never, uh, okay, maybe it is. Maybe I do have to do that. So we've done the gamut of educational decisions now. So I feel kind of like an expert <laughs> as much as you can be. <laughs> and also in saying, never saying never to God. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, it was, um, I, I thought that I would be like the fashionable mom. I remember when, not that I'm super fashionable, but it was, it was kind of this pride thing. Like I'm not going to be that mom that wears a ponytail and sweatpants and never showers. Like that is not me. And I would say, you know, it's been like 50, 50, like I still do probably dress up more than some moms, but, um, I've definitely been humbled in that area, particularly, um, when I've had a baby and I'm in postpartum mode and you just can't, you just can't do it all. And you can't keep that area of life up. So I think, yeah, before I had kids, I was like, Oh, I'm going to be, you know, that, that pretty mom that I'm still like all about my husband, you know, being his girl and all that, which those have been goals still. But um, I, I would say mm, a lot of that was humbled in me. <laughs> I always think of that whole like Instagram versus reality. Yes. <laughs> like, that comes to mind so often because I'm like, yeah, that is totally like what we thought in our head versus what it actually looks like most of the time. Exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, mine, mine was very much, I was a server through college, um, for one of the years in, in college. And I remember really not liking the people who brought their young kids in and that they would make a big mess all over the table and they were loud and they went through so many napkins and probably should have had even more and crumbs everywhere and terrible tips. And I just, I remember thinking I, my kids will know how to behave when we eat out because (laughs) Uh, yeah, they'll just, they'll just know. And yeah, they, they don't just know. <laughs> and they do become the kids who don't want to keep sitting there for an hour waiting for food, you know? Um, and so that was, that was a funny one for me that my kids were going to behave when we ate out. Oh, I totally relate. I was a server in college as well. And I totally relate to that. Cause I definitely worked at like a family place, like yeah. where that's the main clientele that came in. And it was like, Never, never will they act like that. And then I fast forward to when we had a couple under five and ended up leaving a restaurant with all to go boxes with full meals because it was just not working. <laughs> That's funny. You know what's really funny though? And then we can move on. I'll just make this point. I was having a conversation with my almost 13 year old and just the other day about a habit or, or a relationship struggle that he and I had when, when I guess maybe more of a behavior relationship struggle that he and I had when he was young. And I remember it so well uh, because it went on for years, just this, this battle between he and I in this one area, it went on for a long time and he does not remember it. Mm. He doesn't remember so many of those hard things that shaped the way I thought about myself as a mother the way I thought about my children, those always and never statements that I made, like it's never going to get better. It's never going to change. He doesn't even remember it. And that was so profound for me to realize that what had shaped me as a person and as a mom, he doesn't even remember. We had that. that. Yeah. We had that exact same conversation with my, with my oldest about the exact same thing. I was like, do you remember what this was like? And I said it was it was a really hard season for me and it it like you said it shaped me as a mom because it tested me more than anything and he he does not remember it at all like he's like what but it is interesting because kids have a short memory on those on those things and whereas as moms it changes us and it stays with us all the way through so let's talk about this season we're in right now because it is different than any season any of us have ever been in. Um, All the kids are at home. Moms are trying to juggle so many different things. How does a season like this, Suzanne, affect our need to be grounded in the Word of God? Uh, Well, it's so important. Um, I feel like there's just so much fear going on right now in our world, Um, just fear of what's going to happen, fear of how our government officials are handling things, if they're doing a good job or a bad job, or, you know, just kind of the future of just our, our countries and our economy and our world. And, um, and so it's so important to have 
the truth of God's word and to have those scriptures in your heart, um, such as, you know, in this world, you will have trouble, but I've overcome the world that Jesus tells us and that um, we don't have to worry, but we can give all of our concerns to him and that we're supposed to pray for our rulers and our authorities and just all of these things. We're more than conquerors. God can give us peace that the world can't give us. All of these things uh, come from God's word. And those are the truths that really penetrate the lies of the enemy. So I think that's one thing. And then one thing I've noticed in this season is that my kids are really watching me. <laughs> um, they are watching to see how I am responding to all of this. And a few days ago, my five-year-old, um, we were kind of just talking about how things were different and school was canceled and all of these things. And, and she said, she said, mom, we don't have to worry about the coronavirus, right? because God's with us, even if we get the coronavirus. And I was just like, wow. I mean, it's amazing to hear your child say something that you've been trying to teach them, but you're, you're wondering, am I truly living that right now when this is what's going on in our world? And um, so that's kind of something to think about just in the season is that our kids are watching how we're living out our faith. And if we're really living in a way that shows that we believe God's word. Yeah, that's really, that's so true. They are watching us now more than ever. So you guys talk in the book about the importance of numbering our days, which is Psalm 90 verse 12. I think that might be even more important now than it is ever before, because, you know, we are now at the timing of this recording, we are now a month into this quarantine, like the days have slipped away. They, they are slipping by and they may be going by a little more slowly than we're normally experiencing because the, the pace is not as fast, but they are going by. They are passing us by. So how does a mom embrace Psalm 9012 during this craziness? Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. What does it look like to number our days during quarantine? Um, I think in, in my own home and in how I approach that one, um, we are never, we're never given ever in scripture. This is how long you have. Um, we're never, we're never given an absolute on, okay, so you have five more years or you have, you're going to live till you're 82, but you're going to die in a car accident tomorrow. We are never, we are never told any of that. We are, we are told over and over and over to, to, to allow God to be in control that to trust him, to rely on his wisdom and on his strength and on his sovereignty. So I think with the numbering of our days, I just, I go, okay, I have today. I, day one, I have today. So what am I going to do with today in all of the ups and downs? And it doesn't mean that, okay, I have today. So I'm going to make today the very best day in the world. I don't think we can live in that kind of high. Um, I don't think that's realistic. But to say, what are the rhythms that I can get into that are sustainable, that is going to get me through today, and then tomorrow, okay, I have today. And, and to be able to say that over and over and say, what are the sustainable rhythms, that that to me is the teaching me to number my days, that I've got this one, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow, because as we know, tomorrow has enough worries of its own. So... Um, even in the, oh my goodness, we are all fighting right now. How can I, I, I want this 
this over right now. And we are, we've been in each other's space far too closely for too long. Um, and, and I think Suzanne, you know, going back to scripture and Suzanne saying the importance of staying firmly rooted in scripture gets us through those, my family's driving me crazy, or I can't do another homework assignment with my kid in math because they're just not getting it and I don't know how to teach it. Or um, I, my kids, these toys are driving me crazy, or this house is a mess, or whatever the case is, that if I can stay rooted, firmly rooted in who Christ is, getting into a rhythm of my day and a rhythm, not, not necessarily a, at five o'clock we do this, at six o'clock we do this, but instead it being a, these are the paces of how we treat each other and how we commune and, and all of that, that then it makes the days more pleasant. It makes the days more rooted in Christ and, and how it gives me hope that, yeah, I can keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, I do think we have kind of an opportunity to reestablish some of those patterns of grace and patterns of wisdom and and things like that. And and we know that we're talking to a wide variety of moms right now. We're talking to moms of, you know, littles who maybe don't, you know, their kids are not doing school while they're home, but they're, you know, trying to juggle um, having them full time. We have moms who are working full-time from home and trying to help their kids with school. We have moms who were already homeschooling moms who now, you know, have had to adjust their, uh, a lot of what homeschooling is, is not done at home. So um, there's this wide variety of the moms that we're, you know, reaching right now. But all of us have some kind of opportunity to reestablish what you've been talking about. And, and I was thinking the other day, my, my children, um, are pretty close together in age, the two of them. And they used to be, when they were little, so close. Now, I'm not saying that they didn't fight or bicker or that nobody ever tried to bang the other one's head against the wall. Like, I'm not saying that didn't happen in our home because it did, but they did everything together. And recently, and over the last four or five years, they've, as they've grown up, they've get their own friends. They've, you know, their worlds have, have moved in different directions. And pulling us back into the same space over this last month has caused some of that, you know, we've been in each other's space for too long. But what I'm also seeing is that they are coming back to that point where they're doing everything together again. And I've been grateful for, so grateful for that, but also grateful for the opportunity to, to deal with the explosions as they come up because we've had the opportunity to reestablish. No, this is not the way we treat each other in this family. This is the way we treat each other. This is what God's word says. And, and when we're all going in separate directions, it becomes difficult to pull those rhythms in and pull those things in. But, but God's almost given us this reprieve for a little while. Even if we're still busy trying to juggle all the things, we're at home together and we can pause for a minute. So I thought that was interesting too. Well, and I think going back to the count number your days, and it says that you get a heart of wisdom through that. And so I think just recognizing that as strange as these days are, they're a gift. Each one is a gift. And looking for those things around us and in our children's lives, like you were just talking about, um, Brooke, that, that the good things that are happening and, and just living those out and being present in those. Yeah, I have a really good friend here in town that said to me early on in this, she said, Aaron, 
what do you think God is doing in all of this? And I thought that's a really good way to think um, through each day is like, what is God doing here? And I've noticed many of the same things that Brooke has about relationships within our family, relationships with between my boys and um, how we spend our days and what has become important and um, all of those things. And I think that is part of wisdom is watching for what God's doing. And um, we've talked before, Brooke and I have both done the Experiencing God um, Bible study. And one of the things is look for what God's already doing and join him. And I think this has been a really good opportunity to slow down and see the wisdom in that, in, in looking for what he's doing here when we're not running all over the place to this thing and that thing. And our lives are still busy. They're just a really different way. And I think it gives us a different perspective in what God's doing in our lives and in our homes. And that's wisdom to me. I mean, that's the heart of wisdom is looking for what God's teaching us there. So I love that. I also love what you said, Greta, about numbering our days is not saying this is going to be the best day ever every single day. <laughs> like that's just an expectation we don't need to keep on to ourselves at this moment. And, and I felt that early on in this, you know, like Brooke said, we're over a month into this within the first week, I w- I crashed and burned from that mentality of let's, let's bake and let's do a game and let's do a puzzle and let's, let's do everything together all the time. And it'll be wonderful. Like that crash and burn really fast. And it, I did have to adjust my thinking from making everything happen in a day and making every day extremely wonderful to what's important. How are we spending it? When do we need to all be together? And when do we need to be apart? And those types of rhythms that you talked about. I love that. All right. So Greta, you have this really interesting pattern you saw in your life when you became a mom or an interesting term for it that was stolen identity. Okay. I'm really interested to hear more about this. So tell us about that concept and how we can keep that from happening to us. Um, Yeah. Well, I didn't notice it until my daughter, my firstborn was about six months. Um, And I looked around and suddenly I said, I'm a mom. That's all I am now. I'm just a mom. And every conversation is around my being a mom and how am I doing? And, and, um, it took me a while to then look back and see that I had wrapped up who I am in the role that I had at that moment. So when I was in college, it was, I'm a college student. I'm fun. I'm lively. And that's who I am. When I graduated, I was this adventure guide and that's who I am and it's great and it's adventurous and it's cool and it's outdoorsy and that's who I am. And then I got married and everything was about being a wife and that's who I am now. And then now I'm a mom and I, this pattern of, I was thinking that I was a different person all the time based on the role that I had at that moment or my job. And, and suddenly it it hit me that, man, I'm ping ponging back and forth and who I am. And, and if it's a bad mom day, well, I'm a bad person then, and I'm not doing good. Um, and God really got a hold of me and said, hold on a second. Who do I say that you are? You are not, 
yes, um, you are a mom. That's one of your roles. Yes, you are a wife. That's one of your roles. Yes, you are a friend. Yes, all of these things. But that's not who I say you are. And so when I went back, when God really was talking to me and said, look at scripture. Who do I say you are? You are mine. I say you are redeemed. I say you are forgiven. I say my grace is sufficient for you. I say you are a warrior because it is my power in you that can do anything. And when that became, when it was God's truth that, that reformed, oh, this is who I am, then the mom days that were hard didn't crush me, and now I'm nothing. Or when I'd have a, an argument with my husband, it didn't crush me that, that I'm nobody anymore because I was, when I had God's identity placed over me and, and believing that, then all the other things are just these things that, that are about my life, but they don't rock my core identity. Yeah, that is so good. And I think it's so common for young moms in particular to have that, that moment of, I have lost my identity. And we know as Christians, as believers across the board, whether you're a mom or whoever you are, God calls us to sacrifice. There is a loss of identity as our identity becomes less about us and more about Christ. But that is really what you were describing. And it's so common for young moms to find themselves in that place. And I think that's why it's so important um, for, you know, moms like you guys, like us, like other people that we have um, on the show to, to share this and say, look, it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to feel like if you have one bad day, you're a radical failure as a mom because your identity is not rooted in that. And the fact of the matter is that you can do everything right. And there is no guarantee that God is going to produce the kind of children that you're really hoping that he's going to produce. None of us have a biblical formula for success in our parenting. Now we do have things that, you know, that we can do. We do have things that God has called us to do with our children in our homes. We, we can make it easy for them, easy, easy as possible for them to know Christ and to know who he is, but we don't have a guaranteed outcome. And, and so we have to let go of some of those things and realize that our identity has to be in Christ because if we put it in anything else, motherhood, grad student, um, you know, any, anything else, then we can lose that identity, but we can never lose our identity when it's in Christ. I just really think that's profound and good. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So Suzanne, you mentioned in the book that you have a son with special needs and I just want to say up front that we really appreciate you being willing to talk about this with us. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been listening to moms um, on Facebook and other you know, social media outlets that we're all flocking to right now because that's how we can communicate with each other. Um, I've been listening to them talk about the hardships that they're facing during the quarantine. And, and one that rises to the top is moms who are trying to help their children with special needs, special learning needs, special developmental needs across the board. These moms, I think, are struggling in a way or can be struggling in a a different way than the rest of us are struggling because um, I know, you know, Sandra Peoples is someone that we have on our team who really specializes in in leading moms uh, of special needs children. And 
I know her son James has patterns and things that make him feel safe and good and, and make life easier. And some of those patterns and things are gone right now. They're not the same as they were. So we're wondering if you can speak to us a little bit about what that's like for you and offer some pointers for our listeners who might be struggling in the same way. Sure. Yeah. Um, Josiah is nine years old. He's in third grade and um, he has been developmentally delayed since uh, he was seven months old and he had seizures. And then he eventually got a diagnosis on the spectrum. And um, it's, I mean, it's an amazing story. I talk about it in several different ways in the devotional, just as far as the fears you have for your child and um, also seeing God's provision in their life and seeing how God has made them unique and the things that that has taught me. Um, And so, I mean, he's a wonderful part of our family. He does love routines. He loves the school bus. He loves going to school. Um, He was receiving 10 to 12 hours of in-home therapy for um, like behavioral therapy. He loves that, you know, having his friends come. He asks me every day, who's coming over today? Because that's just part of his, his routine. And so that has really been affected, obviously. Um, And that can feel like a real loss for parents with children that are receiving supports to have those taken away. And that's, I've seen a lot of that, like my child isn't getting their speech therapy that they really need, or they're not getting this or that. Um, And so I think there's a sense of loss and maybe also fear that their child is losing ground. Um, I mean, Josiah has a wonderful teacher, and we're just so sad that that's not going to continue for the rest of this year. Um, And while his teachers and therapists have done a wonderful job of trying to help us implement things at home, we can't completely recreate the experience. And so um, for me, I've had to just come to accept it. And I think going back to what I said about numbering your days, I think a big key to that is realizing God knew this was going to happen and that this was going to be part of our story as a family and Josiah's story. Um, And so I'm trying to notice the gifts of this season and the intentional things that God is doing through it. Um, And so like, for example, uh, since autism is a social disorder, it's been amazing to see Josiah play with his siblings more in the backyard. And I see them out there playing pretend and, and doing things that are really skills that he needs in life. And I'm thinking, that's something God is doing in this season that's different than I would have expected, but it is something that benefits Josiah and his siblings. I mean, their bond is growing. Um, And then even like faith talks with him because he doesn't fully understand uh, faith. He believes in Jesus, but he doesn't fully understand the gospel and those things. Um, And he doesn't fully understand the pandemic. The other day he did say he was scared of the coronavirus. And so I said, Josiah, do we need to be scared of the coronavirus? And he said, no. And I said, why? And he said, because God is here. And it was just cool to have that moment with him, uh, that opportunity to talk about faith. And so I think something that parents can keep in mind, whether your child has special needs or not, because I'm sure you're relating to this even with typically developing children, um, Mm -hmm. is that God knows better than we do for our kids. And he loves our kids more than we do. And he's doing things in their lives through this season that we, we may never know what it is, or we may see it years down the road um, and look back on it and be like, wow, that was really cool what God did in that season. And so I think just 
that's something for special needs parents to keep in mind. Do what you can, but don't be too sad about what isn't. Look for what is and what God is doing through that. That is really, really beautiful. And I think that is a really good perspective for all parents. Like you were saying, like we're so many of us are mourning the loss of normal things, you know, like you're talking about services that he, you rely on and um, routines that he is used to and all of that. And like, for me, we have an eighth grader and he's missing all of the last things of middle school. The last show choir competition was canceled. The, the last concerts, he had things canceled because of uh, snow this year as well. He missed one because of being sick and then to have everything just done because of this like who who would have ever thought that and so um all of us are mourning things and even just the loss of normal routine or the loss of seeing their friends or these big events whatever it may be and i love that encouragement to look for the good things that are coming out of this and to understand that this was not a surprise to god and that he has good things for us always, no, whether, whether they look normal or not to us. And that's a beautiful encouragement for everyone. And thank you for sharing your side of that because so many parents are going through what you are as well. It's not just schools canceled. It's vital things that kept, you know, that were helping your child that, that are not happening anymore. So, um, so the focus of our ministry here at Million Praying Moms is to help parents make prayer their first and best response to the challenges of parenting. So I'd love if each of you would share some verses or even a verse with our moms that they can be praying for themselves and or for their children during this difficult season. Maybe something that has touched your family, especially um, that you have been praying over your own family. So whoever's ready, go ahead. <laughs> Um, I can share. I think uh, for us, when we when this all started, I I realized that we don't um, speak to each other the greatest. We share our opinions very freely, and our emotions pour out hardcore. So um, one night I was reading, we were we were talking about the tongue with with one of our children and. And so we opened up James and James has a, the book of James has a lot to say about how we talk. And, um, it became very clear that, Oh, to, to my child, like, Oh my goodness, I didn't know that God talked about this. And, and so, um, two verses immediately that night went on our, went up around our house. Um, it's, it's a habit that I have where I write a verse and put it on the mirror or on a cupboard or a window or something so that we see it. Everybody can see it. We can all read. So then there's a memory verse competition kind of thing in, in our house. It's I do what I can. Um, but the one James one 22 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. And then um, it follows up, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. And um, it continues on. I love this. Uh, the kids think this is really funny too. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. And you see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. And my son laughed. He's like, who does that? And I said, well, 
We all do because we read God's word and we don't obey it. So that verse has really helped us. Um, and we, and we're praying it over each other actually at nighttime. Um, so that one is a big one along with, um, one in Proverbs that says kind words are like honey. And so just taking this idea of quickly listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. And then when you do speak, speak kindly. Those are big in our house right now. Yeah. And for us, um, definitely Philippians four, six, and seven, which says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with Thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking a lot with our kids just about having peace in these really weird times. Now they're younger. So they're picking up on it at various levels or not at all when it comes to the three-year-old. I think he just thinks it's great. It's like staycation ongoing with everybody, you know? Um, But some of the older kids, they're, they're picking up on this, something wrong, what's happening, you know? Um, And so that verse is one, it's actually, we even have it on a CD in song form and my son plays it every night before he goes to bed. Is it the Seeds Family Worship one? It is. Yeah. As soon as you said it, the the song came into my head because we've been listening to Seeds. Okay, so my oldest is about to turn 14. I believe we've been listening to Seeds since he was four, I think is when we first heard about it. And that song, if you say Philippians 4, 6, and 7, that is what comes into my head. And I can still sing the whole thing. And I have to tell a funny story. Can I? Because we need to all laugh, right? Yes. Um, So in that song, um, it says, and the peace of God. Okay. So that's part of the verse for so long. And we didn't realize it at first because when kids sing, you don't really understand what they're saying, especially at two or whatever. One of my boys thought it said, and the pizza guy (laughs) (laughs) instead of, and the peace of God. And we were like, awesome. And the pizza guy, which transcends all understanding. It's, you know, like to a two-year-old, maybe the pizza guy does transcend all yeah, understanding. So we cool still, thing, when that song comes up 10 years later, we still all laugh about, and the pizza guy. <laughs> <laughs> and now the song is changed for Suzanne as well. Yes, yes right. Exactly. <laughs> and that is the power of song and God's word together. Yes. <laughs> It's ingrained in my head forever is that story and do that. But it is a good point because like Suzanne said, her son's listening to this every night and that is sticking in his head and whatever is going on, whether it's words, how you speak to one another, which we definitely are battling in our household as well, or whether it's fear, the word of God is the thing to combat that. Mm -hmm. And to have it in a way that sticks, whether it's sticky notes or mirrors or songs like that, we have an opportunity right now to surround our children with the word and Mm -hmm. praying it over them, singing it, putting it up around the house. Like they can't miss it right now. Um, And we can do it in ways that aren't shoving it down their throat, but that are making it sink in. And I love all the verses that you guys shared today. Thank you for, for sharing those. Um, I love this talk about music. You guys know that we are a musical family as well. Well, I will say this to everybody, but my, my poor husband, 
um, not so much the music guy, but he, he's very supportive of the rest of us who are <laughs> musical. Um, but what, one thing that we've done, and I, I can't remember who told me this, it was years and years ago when the kids were little. One thing that I, I think I was at maybe a, a homeschooling conference when we had first started homeschooling and, and I was in a session with a, I feel like it was a family with a, a large family and I just can't remember who it is, but she said, the mom said that her children go to sleep every night to the word of God being played on, um, uh, on their stereo or on the radio station or, you know, whatever, something like seats worship or, um, even just the local Christian radio station as their kids got a little bit older, they wanted to listen to that as opposed to just straight Bible verses. And she said, I don't know what it is about that, but my children can sleep through that all night long Mm -hmm. and then wake up the next morning and the tunes are in their head. And she said, there's something very powerful about that. So we decided to do that after hearing her talk about that. And I don't think there's very many nights that our children have not gone to sleep with some form of, of the Christian message being played in their room. And I've noticed, especially as my 12 year old, almost 13 year old has grown, um, he tends to pick up on, on music really quickly. He, He learns very well by ear and um, he will he will go around and and be singing or humming a song that we don't even sing very often in church or we don't sing in in our home or something like that. And I know it's because he is hearing that in some way. The word of God is moving into his heart and into his mind even as he's sleeping. So I would just encourage the moms too. Don't just play the music while they're awake. Play it while they're sleeping too, and let the word of God saturate every part of their bodies as you have them at home right now. Suzanne and Greta, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell our listeners where they can learn more about the two of you separately and also the two of you together. Okay, well, um, this is Suzanne, and uh, I have a website, SuzanneGoslin.com, and also I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, And then also we have a Grit and Grace group on Facebook and Instagram. It's called Grit and Grace Moms. So we love for moms to come and connect with us there. We post some humorous stuff and some serious stuff and, um, but all of it to encourage moms. And then um, for Greta. (laughs) I also have a website, uh, GretaKennedy.com. And, but that really the best way to get in touch is through that um, Instagram or Facebook Grit and Grace Moms. And uh, yeah, we do. We love connecting with moms, hearing your stories, hearing your struggles, your, your victories. And really, it is a place of encouragement. It's a place of um, pointing us back to Jesus. We laugh a little bit, but we also just really want to keep pointing you back to Jesus and, and what God says and how he sees you in, in your role as a mom. That's awesome. We, we love those kinds of groups and we love both of you and are so thankful to have had you and your perspective on this whole motherhood thing that has just gotten more interesting during, <laughs> during this season. So that's it for today, friends. As always, you can find any specifics from our show in our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com, including a link to order Greta and Suzanne's devotion for moms, Grit and Grace. Tune in next week for another episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. 
For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.